Welcome back to Gospel-Centered Rest, a podcast where we discuss topics of life and theology and how Christ's promise of rest for the weary and heavy laden gives us strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Uh, we are, what day is it today? Today's some Tuesday. Some day in July, Tuesday, Tuesday in July. Um, welcome back, Byron. Hey, Byron's here. Thank you very much. Glad to be back. Yeah, you're here and David's gone. Um, so while the cat's away, the mouse will play. Ta-da. Can I say that? Sure. Maybe even the mice will play both of us. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, it actually, it is it is good to have you here, Byron, because um, you've been dealing with some things with your eye, and we've been praying for you, and we talked about it in one of the episodes, if you listened um, to it, but we talked a little bit about you. But why don't you give us a little bit of an update? What's going on with you guys? Basically, doctors are saying things are improving, so we are thankful for that. Good. Uh, some motion has returned to the eye that wasn't there for a while. Mm-hmm. So it gave you some funny looks, literally. Yeah. Um, but it's coming back, and the doctors say within the next couple of months, Lord willing, it will be fully recovered. And in the meantime, one day at a time. So I've got a prism. I can see one Tyler rather than two. That's good. Um, there's some distortion, but hey, we'll work with that. Yeah. Well, I'm just glad that there's some things that, that they're doing that are that seem to be helping, because um, I know you're also suffering with some headaches and different side effects as well. And now, the positive thing is the headaches have stopped. Oh, good. So that is just fantastic. You're okay. You can function so much better. Some of you know what that's like. Um, yeah. You're dealing with it all the time. It was just temporary for me. Yeah. So you took three weeks off, and... David is currently on vacation. Um, he's he's on for, I think he's coming back, not next week, but the week after. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah, some somewhere on there. But it's just so um, so grateful to be able to, uh, to do that this summer. We're also going to take some time off as well. Um, so just grateful as pastors, as you mentioned on Sunday, being able to just kind of unplug and and to recuperate and re-energize. And we're glad that David and Eva are able to do that. And you guys were able to do that. I'm sure you came back last week just feeling like you could take on the world. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that might be a bit of an exaggeration, but I know that time away. (laughs) Some people wonder, they might text, they might email, and they don't get a reply. And we always found, maybe I'll just say I have always found, Mm -hmm. that if I respond to those things, it's like it brings you back into work and you're yeah. back into the office and it sort of sucks the rest and renewal away because yeah. you haven't got away. So I pretty much cut myself off mm-hmm. um, and I try not to respond to anything unless it's absolutely necessary and not check emails and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So we certainly hope David's doing that yeah. and that he won't be listening to the podcast. That's right. And you know, that's a good practice, I think, for anyone uh, when you're when you're away from work to 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 learn how to how to unplug as like as much as you can so that you can focus on your family and focus on you know the other priorities that the Lord's put in your life. Um, so yeah, I, I pretty much do the same. Just kind of delete the delete the email for the week and then turn it back on and start sifting through the inbox, which usually takes a few days. There you go. But uh, so today we're just gonna kind of just have a little bit of a chit chat um, and just talk about different things maybe that we've been working on, different things we've been thinking about, um, maybe even a recent sermon that we heard um, and talking about some themes even from Psalm chapter 110. But other than that, this is just a get caught up with 
Pastor Tyler and Pastor Byron episode. Um, so Byron, where do you think we should begin? That's a good question. I think in one sense, the sermon's the easiest one to begin with because it's fresh in your mind. Sure. And it's only two days ago. Now, I missed part of it yeah. for various reasons that needed to be attended to. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you give us a quick synopsis? Psalm 110. Mm-hmm. What, what prompted you to choose that psalm? And then maybe a quick synopsis of what did the sermon say? Mm-hmm. So a few reasons why I picked this psalm. Um, one of them is, is it's a pretty powerful psalm theologically. And I found uh, that even when you, when you study this psalm, you really see how it links to so much else that's going on in the scripture from the beginning in Genesis right through to, uh, to Hebrews and even beyond. Um, but also we just studied it. Um, I've been taking Hebrew this past year. Um, at at a seminary, and we just studied this psalm recently. So I thought, hey, what a what a great way to be able to to preach through a passage that we just studied and we just translated. Perfect. So those were those were some of my main reasons of it. But uh, before before I started studying it, um, I didn't really realize really how much of a an importance that this psalm carried with it, and just explaining the the plan of Christ coming explaining the plan of the king savior who would come and fulfill fulfill these roles and something that's important about this psalm is that it brings together both jesus as king and jesus as priest in that one person uh, because we also see that represented in the person of melchizedek who jesus is said to um to be someone who is after the order of melchizedek and, and we can talk about that in a few minutes uh, but those are some of the reasons that I wanted to study this because even though it's such a theologically, you know, uh, important psalm, that there's so much about what's talked about here that impacts our Christian walk. It impacts our understanding of salvation. It, it even impacts our understanding of the story of redemption throughout Scripture. And so that's the main reason why I, okay, why I decided to preach on it. Now, Melchizedek, he's one of those figures that doesn't appear a lot, but no. when he shows up, it's no. it's like the music cues up in the background. Yeah, he is. He's actually, he's one of those guys, you'll, you'll read his name, be like Melchizedek. Yeah, it doesn't really sound like a name that I would, that I would name one, one of my kids, but then you realize how cool this guy is and you're like, yeah, I definitely want to name somebody after Maybe him or something. Maybe we should have a prize. You know, there's, there's <laughs> lots of young couples and lots of kids, yeah, yeah. potential kids here. Maybe, what'll happen if somebody names their son Melchizedek? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, we should do a, do a search and see, see how popular the name is. But yeah, he, he kind of comes out of nowhere in the book of Genesis and at a very pivotal, important time in, in Abraham's life. Um, and I think it's just so remarkable that Here's this guy just comes out of nowhere, ministers to Abraham and his need. We understand that Melchizedek, he was the king of Salem, but he was also a high priest. Um, he was also a priest of the Lord. Now, what's interesting is he wasn't a priest after the Levitical order. So he wasn't a priest after um, after Aaron and his descendants. He was kind of, he, he was on his own. So he was outside of that. Uh, and then we don't hear about him again until Psalm 119 or sorry, Psalm 110, yep. um, we don't hear about him again. And so I even mentioned this on Sunday, uh, just picture yourself being a, being a Hebrew 
who would have been reading Psalm 110. And then all of a sudden you would have seen the name Melchizedek. You would have been like, Melchizedek, you know, that guy's a legend. Because back in um, Genesis, he meets Abram and is at his time of need, ministers to him, blesses him. And then from there, Abram has that incredible encounter with the Lord in Genesis 15, where the Lord um, cuts a covenant, makes a covenant with Abram about the, about the land seed and blessing to come. And that um, it's all made on the basis of God's own uh, immutability, God's own character, God's own integrity. And he's saying, if this covenant doesn't happen, um, then let me, let, let it be done to me that was done to these animals, Abraham, that you have um, brought for sacrifice, you've cut in half and you've laid on either side of uh, this pathway. Um, so it's a very important moment, I think, when Melchizedek shows up. Um, and then to see how David draws from that in this prophecy, obviously it's the prophecy is from God himself. Um, and then we don't see him again discussed until the book of Hebrews. It's like he comes up three different times, but then Hebrews, the author there just goes to town with it and spends uh, almost three chapters just explaining who Melchizedek is, uh, a little bit about how Christ connects with Melchizedek, and he mentions him, I think, eight times in the book of Hebrews. So very interesting character for sure. I think it's one of those things when you were talking there, the idea of God working behind the scenes yes. came to mind. Yeah. It's not up front. It's not explained. It's there. And then Hebrews expresses mm -hmm. and, you know, pulls back the curtains and says, well, you know, this is where Jesus fits. He's a different priest in a different priesthood. And so mm -hmm. it's a different, and you think, this is incredible. Mm -hmm. And yet it's all part of God's plan to bringing it that this unique priest, Melchizedek certainly is unique in his own sense, mm -hmm. and yet the greater fulfillment in mm -hmm. Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so fitting that Melchizedek is used because Melchizedek fulfilled the role of both king and priest. And Jesus, we know, fulfills the role of both king and priest. And I think that's one of the main reasons that Psalm one nine, some sorry, Psalm one ten is is here for us is to understand both the um, the kingly side of Christ and the priestly side. Um, he really is our priestly king, yeah. and and Melchizedek is the perfect picture of that. And even like what what you're referring to, how God's working in behind the scenes. This is what we would call biblical theology. You know, that the Lord is working his plan of redemption and salvation in in a remarkable way. And we see little pieces of it being revealed throughout scripture, um, but it all connects. And it was all headed towards the same direction and the same purpose of redeeming mankind through the Savior Son, Jesus Christ. And I, I think that's one of the most amazing ways to to look at and understand scripture is to understand it the way that God unfolded it for us to understand. And that is that it's all about the story of redemption, pointing to Christ and pointing to um, him, God redeeming us, bringing us back to that state um, pre-fall in the Garden of Eden, where we have that full communion with him, the one who created us um, to be in relationship with him. So biblical theology does that. And when we look at a passage like Psalm 110, it becomes um, a piece of that, of that puzzle and of that revelation. So 
Now, let me give you an opportunity here. Yeah. I know Sunday mornings are always a limited time frame. You can't share everything that you've been studying and thinking and learning. Were there other things that you could share with us now that didn't get any airtime on Sunday morning? Things you learned from Psalm 110, things that struck you. Yeah, let me think about that. Yeah, um, one of the things that, that that was interesting, kind of an interesting fact also about Melchizedek was that he, we don't have any record of any parents, any father and mother. Um, and I think that's interesting too, because that also connects with Christ. Um, the other thing that I, that I would have maybe spent more time on if we could, um, if I could have, is spend more time in the book of Hebrews, just reading some of those passages and showing the connection. Um, there's something, there's another thread that runs throughout this whole story of of um, Christ being our high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And that is uh, in verse 4 of Psalm 119. It says, The Lord has sworn an oath and will not take it back. You are a priest forever according to the pattern of Melchizedek. The Lord has sworn an oath and will not take it back. That is referred to in Hebrews um, as well. Uh, the writer of Hebrews is appealing to God's immutability, God's um, God's promise, God's character, saying that God, who God who cannot lie, has called Christ to be a uh, priest after the order of Melchizedek. And I just thought it was interesting that 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 was always coupled with it, because it was all uh, like it was, like it's almost as if the the biblical writers. We're saying, you know, like just trying to put more emphasis on the fact that this is God's plan. This has been his promise. Um, and and that's also a, that's also an important feature, I think, of 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 a promise like um, like what we have with uh, Melchizedek to remember that, you know, God has been ordaining these steps all the way through and we can trust is, it. Is that where he comments God couldn't swear by anybody greater? So he swore by himself that this would come true? Uh, I believe so. Actually, let's, let's turn there. Where is that in Hebrews? So Hebrews, Hebrews um, chapter 5 opens up the discussion about Melchizedek a little bit. And then chapter 6, chapter 7 also, also covers it. So in chapter, chapter 6, it says, So that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled our refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Um, it, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a priest, the high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. So again, it's impossible for God to lie. Um, he he promised this it's going to happen and it has happened is basically what uh what the writer of hebrews is is uh, saying there and then he goes on to explain more in chapter 7 of just how melchizedek was a was a great man a king of salem priest of god the most high and he also makes the connection saying that he met abraham and blessed him as he returned from defeating the kings and Abraham gave him, gave him a tenth of everything. And the other connection 
that I thought was very interesting. And I just like quickly said this on Sunday, but what does Melchizedek give Abraham? Do you remember chapter 14? He gives him some nourishment. What does he give him? He gives him bread and he gives him wine. As a high priest, he gives him bread and he gives him wine. And what does Jesus give us at the Last Supper? Um, He offers us bread, his broken body, and wine, his spilled blood. And I just thought, man, what another connection. Like, as I'm studying this, it's just like, it's full of it. Um, And you can think when the events of Genesis were happening with Abraham, God had all of this already planned. Like, all of this planned. Melchizedek's going to give Abraham blood and wine. My son Jesus is going to give his body and his blood, and it's going to be represented in, in the bread and wine. So uh, another pretty neat yeah, neat that's cool. uh, connection there as well. Um, yeah. That's neat. Now, that's you've, neat. You've, have you ever preached on Melchizedek before or taught on... We worked related through to him. a series on Hebrews at one point, so Melchizedek definitely came up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's he is just fascinating, like yeah, you say. Is. You know, there's no mother, no father, and you think you read, and some people say, "Oh, he must have been an alien." You know, no, yeah. that's not what it means. It doesn't mean he didn't really have a mother and father, but just that idea—it's not recorded, and it's significant mm-hmm. that there's no genealogy and whatever else. Well, and it's significant enough because. The writer of Hebrews brings that out in chapter 7. Without mother, without father, or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God. So the purpose of not mentioning those things, to resemble the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Um, so we encourage you, go and read um, Hebrews chapter chapter 7. Read up on Melchizedek a little bit and, and, enjoy. and, and, and enjoy it, yeah. Oh, that sounds good, Tyler. Hey, I suppose our time's just about up. It is. This has been a good discussion, um, Byron, and thank you for coming back to us. Well, thanks for letting me come back. <laughs> yeah, and to have and to have this uh, this discussion about this wonderful promise that we see throughout Scripture. Now, if you want to know more a little bit a little bit more about uh, Grace Bible Church, you can go to gracegalt.ca. Or you can also learn more about our podcast at gospelcenteredrest.ca or gospelcenteredrest.com. It all leads to the same place. So thank you for listening.